is page of the wind colon the wise man's page chapter 45 page 326 consortation i sat on the hearth at anchors with my lute in my lap the room was warm and quiet full of people who had come to hear me play felling was my regular night at anchors and it was always busy even in the worst weather there weren't enough chairs and those who came late were forced to cluster around the bar and lean against walls Lately, Anchor had needed to bring in an extra girl on felling night, just to hurry drinks around the room. Outside the inn, winter was still clutching at the university, but inside, the air was warm and sweet with the smell of beer and bread and broth. Over the months, I had slowly trained my audience to be properly attentive while I played, so the room was hushed as I fingered my way through the second verse of Violet Bide. I was in fine form that night. My audience had bought me half a dozen drinks, and in a fit of generosity, a tipsy scriv had tossed a hard penny into my loot case, where it lay shining among the dull iron and copper. I'd made Simon cry twice, and Anchor's new servant girl was smiling and blushing at me with such frequency that even I couldn't miss the signal. She had beautiful eyes. For the first time I could remember, I actually felt like I had some control over my life. There was money in my purse. My studies were going well. I had access to the archives, and despite the fact that I was forced to work in stocks, everyone knew Kilvin was terribly pleased with me. The only thing missing was Denna. I looked down at my hands as I entered into the final chorus of Violet Bide. I had had a few more drinks than I was used to, and I didn't want to fumble. As I watched my fingers, I heard the door of the taproom open, and the page ended. <gasps> my name's Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. I like the way that page that you ended the page it was very. Thanks, good. Was thanks, Jordana. Everything's great. Nothing could possibly go wrong for quotes. Yes, nothing ominous is about to happen. Which of course means that something ominous is directly about to happen. Jordana, uh, I don't know about that, Jordana. <laughs> that seems like wild speculation to me. <laughs> and that is not something we do on this podcast. We are never. No, we are. We are a an anti speculative podcast. <laughs> what what is an anti-speculative bot? That's such a good bit. <laughs> How can we let's let's extend the bit? What's the anti-speculative? I don't think we should speculate about it. <laughs> we don't know for sure. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> well, listeners, I've killed my co-host through kindness, and now this is my podcast to command. Uh, it was your plan all along. That's true. That's very true. This is perhaps the most successful we have seen Quo, certainly I think musically, because it sounds like he's got fans. He's got people coming, filling up anchors, even in bad weather. Yeah, that is the implication that uh, he's like, he's become enough of a draw at anchors that it's always busy. And it's so busy that anchor has, has, to, has had to hire someone new just to cover the business that comes in when Quoth plays. But he doesn't like, he doesn't come out and say that, right? But that is the strong implication. Mm-hmm. In short, Quoth is killing it. Yeah, he is. He's loving life right now. And I also I also like the little aside that the new servant girl is sweet on him. Mm-hmm. And, that he's, and that he notices it. Yeah, he's um, starting to notice when people are attracted to him. Yeah, and part of me thinks that this is also Rothfuss's way of like writing the fact that he's, he's going through puberty and he's starting to notice girls too. Mm-hmm. He's our little quote is growing up. That's right. This is this is one of those level up moments, I think, where mentally my mental image of him changes and he gets a little bit lankier. And Quoth's image of himself changes, too, because he says, you know, for the first time I can remember, I actually felt like I had some control over my life. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and he's been at the university for almost a year now without really feeling that because he's always been like one wrong move away from not having enough money to pay next next term's tuition or owing Debbie too much money or getting expelled or whatever. Like he's always had one foot out the door and now he feels like his life is stable. So of course it's about to be upended. Yes, I agree. Yep. And that's <laughs> why I feel like there's not a ton to analyze because it's all, it's all preamble. Mm. And it's all coming up both. Whenever things that's are right. good, it feels like we have less to talk about. Well, weird, I mean, right? Drama is made from, you know, people wanting things and not having them. So if your character has everything they want, then there's not much drama to be had. Mm, fair. But of course, even when he's riding high, Quoth makes a whole paragraph's worth of a point out of saying that the only thing missing from his life is the most important thing in the world to him, which is Denna. I guess there's always something to miss. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if he would have noticed that he was missing her if things were not going well. I think he's always missing her. I think that's kind of the, uh, that's kind of my read on it. There's always like a Denna shaped hole. Even if Denna is just an idea, like I remember being that age and and having crushes and thinking like, oh, if only I could date this person, everything would be fine. When really, you know, what I needed was to learn about myself and become self-actualized and learn to love myself, uh, which didn't happen for many, many years. Um, Because I I still don't think he and Denna actually know each other very well. And sure that they have chemistry and are probably attracted to each other and do like each other. But I don't think that if they were, you know, romantically together, they would necessarily be a good couple. Yes, it remains to be seen for certain. It sure does. Well, and I mean, that's also true to life, isn't it? You can be desperately in love with someone who is all wrong for you. Oh, yeah. Big time. (laughs) (laughs) nervous laughter yeah i bet no one on this podcast or in our audience has ever felt that uh let's have a letter unless anyone else has something to say on the page i'm ready for a letter this letter is cracked pot time from taylor who writes in today's uh in today's episode why i did it by dio gibea which by the way is a pun that i think is very funny that didn't come up in the episode and i'm not sure if anybody else got it but i think it's pretty great i think Um, it's funny too nick thanks thanks explain it to me (laughs) Lauren's Amir status came up again in the conversation Nick posited the lone cell nature of the org which is supported by the Duke's actions scroll work and disbanding timeline let's say the Amir still operate in this lone cell fashion and Lauren is a member has it been tossed around that Ben may also be of the greater good sect my close imagining makes me wonder what if what if Lauren asked Quoth about his parentage because of Ben Ben could have heard of the troop's demise, and finding no evidence of a redheaded child among the bodies, he trooped off to the university to see if Quoth went there next. While the lone cell nature overrides, the members know of one another and can support. You still with me? So Lauren tells Ben he hasn't seen this boy yet, but Ben shared the troop's devastating tale about the song and all that. In secret society conspiratorial fashion, the two collude that if Quoth made it, he should be steered away from the same sad seven obsession so that he can grow and prosper proper like. When Lauren senses the resemblance and look and mentality that Ben described, he asks Quoth if he is the same son of Arlet and the Bard. Quoth muddles this, but that doesn't mean Lauren isn't all the more vigilant. I guess this Lauren Thwart dynamic doesn't need the Ben part to make sense since being a mirror, he had heard of the Chandrian massacre of the Bard's troop, but I like it nonetheless. It all fits, too, since greater good types seem to like to go a little out of their way to meddle in fate. I know this may be so far unsupported in the text, but does the subtext support? I like to think so. On another note, how do you feel about Jedi Fallen Order EA game being accepted canon or any other aspects of it? Have you played? 
Peace be with you, my pagey trinity. Thank you so much for this letter. I actually really like this idea. It would make Lauren's status as a secret Amir a lot easier to swallow for me if Ben was his accomplice. And like that, that would explain a lot of why he's doing. And maybe Ben has asked Lauren, like maybe Ben is feeling protective of Quoth. And that would also explain, that would like answer the question that a lot of people have. Of like, why doesn't Quoth ever go looking for Ben? Why doesn't Ben ever come looking for Quoth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the I like the holes that this theory fills. I like that it's something that I didn't think of that I haven't heard of yet. It's all very exciting, and I hope it's true, but I don't think it is. Well, and while I know Rothfuss gave an answer to what was Lauren asking when he asked about his father, I do think it would be like if there is a secret answer, Rothfuss wouldn't just give it away. And I don't really like the answer he gave. So I, I like this. I like this kind of stuff. <laughs> let me, let me have it. Make it. Uh, mercy. Death of the author, Jeremy. <laughs> Rothfuss isn't dead. <laughs> um, As, as regards Jedi Fallen Order, I haven't played it personally, but uh, I know people who have, who have had a good time. Uh, I don't know really what the story is about or where it fits in canon, so I am not the best person to ask. I haven't played it either. Uh, it came out at a time when EA games were sort of persona non grata because it was uh, after all that nonsense with uh, Battlefield 2 and before any of the like the decent games like um, Starfighter. Uh but my understanding is it canonized Tython, which sort of canonizes KOTOR 2, which means it's okay in my book. <laughs> Good answer. Any step toward canonizing KOTOR is a step in the right direction, in my opinion. Because KOTOR, until uh, Mandalorian and um, the best of the new trilogy, The Last Jedi, KOTOR 2 was really the only Star Wars property to engage in any meaningful way with the human cost of the, the Star War with the idea that there are people who are basically have no stake in the game who are suffering and dying and have been for thousands of years over this basically like a, 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 a war between two sects of the same religion that fundamentally want the same thing. So I'm really glad that uh, the last Jedi and the Mandalorian are kind of engaging with that idea. And before that happened, Kodor two was the only thing that really did at all. So anytime there is any faint toward making that front and center in Star Wars, I feel good. All right. Jordana, do you have any thoughts on Jedi Fallen Order? Not even a little bit. Okay, well, to answer your question from earlier, the joke Nick was making is about O.J. Simpson, who wrote a book called If I Did It, basically saying how he definitely murdered that person and got away with it. But nudge, nudge, wink, wink, this is if I did it. But of course, I didn't do it, because that's what the court case said. Wait, wait. So this is an excerpt from a book that no, he it's wrote the title about of the how book. he did a murder. Yeah, you you have heard of O.J. Simpson? Oh yes, I just didn't realize he had written a book essentially confessing. Yes, he he absolutely <laughs> did, and the title of the book is "If I Did It." Yeah, well, it's not confessing; it's parody, parody in the game, allegedly. It's the ultimate version of that bit. <laughs> yeah, it's the ultimate version of in Minecraft. Oh, wow. That's some real mental gymnastics right there. (laughs) We'll do more mental gymnastics on tomorrow's episode of... Paige! Of... The... The Wind!